When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is Room 104 with Cormac and Saoirse. FM 104. It's Cormac here on FM 104 and a random question for you this evening. I'd love your opinion on this, but if you were in charge of the world, if you were God or some sort of global dictator and you had a magic wand, would you make the decision to just get rid of porn? I know it's an extreme statement, but I just want to know, pornography on the whole, yes or no, and why? Drop me a WhatsApp, 0876797104. The reason I'm talking about this with you this evening is because now that we're all remote working, there's a lot of people who have already been caught on group video conferencing chats uh, looking at bold things at one o'clock in the afternoon. Pornography websites have seen a massive spike in traffic to their sites already. More people are consuming it, and now Pornhub has come out and is giving away free access to uh, its private members-only premium service, uh, as well, but is it all good are, and what are some of the negative impacts of using pornography on a regular basis? To talk about that a little bit more is somebody who has been trying to raise awareness and campaigning about some of the negative side effects, especially for men when it comes to consuming too much pornography. He has uh, founded a organisation on a website called RebootNation.org. He has spoken multiple times over the years about this. He's gotten flack off uh, big porn companies like Big Pharma. It's now called Big Porn. He is Gabe Deem and uh, he joins me on the line now. Gabe, how are you, sir? I'm doing well, Cormac. How are you? Good. For people who haven't seen any of your talks and any of your uh, work that you've been doing online, I know you don't necessarily want to outlaw pornography overall, but can you share maybe a bit, uh, you would be, you've been sharing your story of what happened when you became addicted to pornography. Maybe give us a bit of a synopsis about what happened to you. Yeah, so a lot of people, when they hear this topic, they immediately assume that I'm anti-point or anti-masturbation. And I want to be, you know, straight off the bat, clear the air. I'm not even anti-porn, and I'm definitely not anti-masturbation. What I am is pro-education. So what I focus on is just raising awareness on the potential negative effects of Internet porn. Um, As a young guy who grew up, uh, you know, I'm 32 now, so I, right when I was hitting my teenage years, I had high-speed Internet porn access. And I watched a ton of porn through my adolescence. And when I was 23, I reached a point where I could no longer get an erection with the real life partner, even, you know, someone who I considered smoking hot. Mm. And so I knew I knew it wasn't anything to do with attraction. I had plenty of sexual experience. I became sexually active at 14. So long story short, I became dependent on porn for any type of arousal at all. And so I did some researching and found out that 
there was hundreds of thousands, if not millions of other guys in my boat. This was back, you know, about eight or nine years ago. Yeah. And they started online forums and they were quitting porn and regaining their libido and sexual function. So I did that. I recovered and I realized that no one was talking about it. So I started raising awareness. Yeah. So, I mean, the... You know, there's a few questions around that which I'm sure people will have. Will say, well, "How do you know it was pornography that caused you to not be able to perform?" But you, do you mind me asking without being too rude? When was the first time that that happened to you with a partner, and what was that? What did it feel like? <laughs> it felt horrible. I was. Uh, it was 2011. Uh, it was actually St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> no way. Um, <laughs> there's yeah. a twisted joke in there about us getting rid of your snake. That's what St. Patrick did. And now look, and maybe that was it. He was coming back, <laughs> ridding the world of these snakes. But yeah, God. So, well, I, I had a I had a, a girl at a hotel in in Dallas. I'm I live in Dallas, Texas, and um, you know I guess it just felt like a complete asexual zombie experience. I felt like. Uh, I had a brain penis disconnect to yeah. where I had, you know, I had a, a attractive female I was really into, ready and willing, completely naked, and my body didn't respond at all. So to say it was uh, distressing and terrifying would be an understatement. And but, what, what was it like yeah. for her as well? Because obviously, you know, this is affecting you and millions of men around the world, and the more people you know, you've spoken to a lot of people who have similar experiences, but obviously their partners as well are going to be taken, must be awkward and, and embarrassing for them as well. Yeah, yeah, it, no, it really does, you know, break my heart in a way because a lot of partners think it has something to do with their physical looks, you know, their attractiveness, and they feel like they can't compete with porn. You know, you'll often hear that said, but that's a big misconception, too. This is, you know, if a guy develops a dysfunction from porn use, it's a neurological problem in his ba- uh, brain. It has nothing to do with physical looks. Um, he's trained his brain, like I did, to need constant clicking and clicking from tab to tab, constant hits of dopamine that, you know, novelty from Internet porn provides. And eventually, when you're with a, a real-life partner, that level of stimulation just doesn't match up, no matter what your partner looks like. So that's important for... Um, partners to hear is that it's not, you know, a problem with physical looks. It's a neurological, physiological problem in the arousal template in the brain. Some people I've seen have had a go at you online and will try and dismiss your claims because you would frame this as a, a pornography addiction uh, and that, yeah. it, you know, it's, it's changing chemicals in the brain, rewiring the brain and our pleasure centers and stuff like that. And some people would, I know they've tried to dismiss it and say, you know, you can't compare yeah. this kind of pornography addiction to uh, a drug or alcohol or anything else. What would you say and what's the evidence to kind of lean towards you know, internet porn becoming yeah. very addictive. Well, I think there's just a, a general widespread lack of information on the topic of addiction. So, for instance, people say, oh, porn can't be a real addiction like cocaine or alcohol. But what they don't understand is gambling, a behavior of, you know, playing with cards and rolling dice has been considered a legit addiction for decades. Yeah. And now food addiction is considered legit. The top behavioral addiction neuroscientists in the world all say that the latest neuroscience coming out, brain scan research, shows that porn addiction is in fact very real and it looks just like substance use addiction. That's one of the main themes that you'll, that you'll learn if you dig into the scientific literature is that there are tons and tons of neurological studies that show behaviors can be just as addictive as substances and change the brain in the same ways. And those, you know, those are actually measurable physiological brain changes. So you found yourself in a situation where you couldn't get aroused and couldn't have sex, and obviously it's like, what in the name of God happens? Um, (laughs) 
and uh, you know for a young man I can understand how incredibly frustrating and and confusing and all of that must be but um are you better yeah yeah so I I recovered it, it took me several months but I recovered sex life is great I'm now married and enjoying quarantine Congrats. <laughs> and yeah. So, no yeah it's it's definitely something we've seen thousands and thousands of guys recover from um, but uh, it just it just takes a little time and what's weird is sometimes it takes longer for younger guys to recover than older guys and we now know that's due to the uh, neuroplasticity of the adolescent brain it's a little more moldable you know they often say kids are more impressionable than adults yeah. but that actually makes sense at a, at a brain level and so if you grow up like I did you know I first was exposed to porn at 8 and I was watching internet porn at 12 so if you go all through your developmental years watching, uh, you know, hardcore compilation clips, clicking yeah. on tab to tab, you do that for a decade, you can have some pretty deep uh, neurological pathways that take some time to reverse. But like I said, Evan, from what we've seen, everyone can recover, but there's no, you know, set standard time. So the problems um, of porn addiction when it comes to, to young men and I suppose men of all ages who are uh, over-consuming and might wind up over-consuming now being in quarantine and just being bored to try and, uh, you know, pass, unfortunately pass the time and they're like, no, stop, right? Uh, how did the problem manifested for you where you couldn't get any arousal? Um, does it manifest in any other ways? Yeah, so there's not just the, the physical effects. I say that porn-induced erectile dysfunction and delayed ejaculation where it takes you forever to climax or you have to finish you know yourself off fantasizing about porn um those are kind of the end of the road but there's also other symptoms like mental problems there's dozens of studies that show greater porn use uh, leads to a increase in mental health problems a study in 2018 found that you know more porn use correlated with more loneliness and you can argue, you know, chicken or egg situation there, but I can confirm that no amount of porn use uh, sitting in a dark corner with your pants around your ankles ever makes you feel more connected with others. <laughs> and so, I'm sure it doesn't. A little look. anecdotal, but I think that uh, <laughs> yeah. most heavy porn users can, you know, verify that that probably doesn't lead to more connectedness with um, friends yeah. and family and loved ones. But, um, yeah, just mental health problems like uh, depression, social anxiety. We often see that uh, very prevalent on the recovery forums where young guys will say that their porn use uh, didn't make them more confident uh, in the bedroom or, you know, out socially with real partners. It actually increased their anxiousness and nervousness. And then you have poor working memory. Studies have found that uh, more porn use correlates with poor working memory. Um, and that actually is seen in brain scans, too, where there's less gray matter in the brain. Wow. A study, a study came out last week, actually, going back to the similarities between addictions. It looked at gambling addicts, alcoholics, and porn addicts, and it found that all those addictions all had one thing in common, and that was less gray matter in the prefrontal cortex. That's like, you know, the thinking, mm -hmm. decision-making part of the brain. And so, again, there's tons of research that backs up what I'm saying, which is why the people that do argue with me on Twitter tend to block me rather than engage in debate and intellectual dialogue. Yeah, well, so, Twitter, Twitter's the, the last platform <laughs> you'll get an intellectual dialogue on anyway. <laughs> it's probably the, it's the cesspit of the Internet, and you never get any 
any decent uh, discussion going on there. But for someone who maybe they're a little bit worried listening to this or their partner, they've noticed some of those exact behaviours or things like that in the bedroom where it's it's taken them an age and maybe they're feeling a little bit insecure about themselves and they're like, well, what's going on? Um, is this me? Is this my partner? Is our relationship about to fall apart? What the hell is going on? Um, what does recovering from porn addiction look like? It's nothing profound. It's the same wisdom and advice that any psychologist or any guru would give you. I mean, honestly, it's it's one of those situations where the more connected you get online, the more disconnected you feel in life. So the remedy is to spend time around real people, increase time exercising, increase your time learning new things and getting educated. Um, meditation helps a lot. And so for behavioral addictions, when you're going through recovery, Sometimes we see an increase in stress and anxiety. Yeah. You know, the brain the brain releases neurochemicals, uh, stress hormones, norepinephrine and cortisol for any addiction, which kind of makes you go back to your addiction because your brain thinks, has now learned that that's good for your survival. It's been tricked. Right. And so this, the stress actually has a purpose, evolutionarily speaking, to drive you back to whatever it is you're addicted to. And so to combat that, you've got to do things that, would decrease stress in any situation. So again, it's just time with people socializing, time in nature, increase uh, in exercising, and you know, learning something new, meditation, stuff like that. And that's that's really it in a nutshell. So, how long did it take for you to recover fully? Well, it took me nine months. I know that what? sounds like a really long time to be able to have wow. sex again. Yeah, it was. It was, and I was twenty-three years old. I've always been, you know, athletic and in fairly good shape. And so that was very uh, surprising and terrifying. But other guys recover much quicker than I I did. I was a pretty severe case. Now, when you um, say um, yeah, uh, yeah. nine months, and apologies for cutting across you, uh, Gabe, but nine months of no sex, no internet use, and is it no like no masturbation either? Was it just nine months well, of nothing? Yeah, I was using the internet for sure. I was getting educated. I was reading all the neuroscience studies that, that explained my predicament. Um, but I definitely cut out uh, porn. That was the main thing. We, the only rule for what we call rebooting our term for recovering is just no artificial stimulation. Um, and as far as masturbation goes, if you're able to do it without porn, which I wasn't, which that's also for the skeptics of how did I know porn was my problem, I couldn't masturbate without porn. And that's important because that rules out what everyone thinks the problem is is performance anxiety yeah yeah so the fact that i couldn't get it up with my own hand next to some candles on a nice relaxing sunday evening <laughs> means that i wasn't nervous because i don't care what my hand thinks about my penis there you go your hand isn't going to so, judge you and shame you online man. yeah <laughs> and the fact that i could get an erection as soon as i sat down and started typing in my favorite porn site that means that my penis still physiologically worked so all the signs pointed to I was dependent on a specific stimulus. I had been sexual conditioned like Pavlov's dog that salivated to the bell. I was now salivating for porn, basically. Right. So um, after the nine months, it's all, all good. Do you Have you completely cut out pornography from your life now? Yes, I have. I don't ever plan on going back. The real deal is much better. Um, right. So for someone who's listening right now, maybe it'd be interesting, right, because some, some lads might be willing to take the first step and might identify and realize I have a problem. What if you're in a relationship and uh, you're noticing those behaviors in your other half and your sex life is kind of a little bit off, for, for want of a better word, and, and those, you know, the, the delayed orgasms and things like that they're noticing. How would a, a, a woman approach her other half with this? Because I imagine it could be a very touchy 
the pun was not intended but you know what I mean a a bit of an awkward conversation to bring up honestly just keep it scientific and health based that's what I tell everyone whether it's a parent talking to a young child or a partner talking to their partner keep it scientific health based say hey I I read an article that um, you know a young guy was abstaining from porn and he said it, it led to increased libido for his partner it led to better erections and better sex and if you say that to any person they're going to be interested in what it is and they'll at least do their own investigation and yeah. so that's what i always say start with the brain start with neuroscience start with you know talking about libido or better erections and then you'll have everyone's attention <laughs> yeah it's like it doesn't really cost you anything yeah you don't have to fork out in a blue pill you'll be absolutely fine um so then, Gabe, would you, I'll put the question to you as well. So if you were in charge, if you were the, the, Gabe, the global dictator who could do anything you wanted, <laughs> would you shut down porn? Would you just get rid of it out of life? Or what would you do? No. Well, first of all, I think that's impossible. But if I was, no, I wouldn't. I'm, I'm pretty libertarian in my political right. weenings. I'm, I'm all about freedom of choice. And again, that's a big misconception. I'm not out to... I'm not out to ban anything. I want everyone to be able to make informed decisions. I just think it's sad when you have uh, companies like Pornhub encouraging people that are isolated to use a product that we know can lead to more isolation. And I'm just trying to raise awareness that that could happen. And if people are feeling, you know, a drop in libido, uh, losing their erections, mental health problems, and they're watching a ton of porn, I just encourage people to experiment going without. Because in my case, I found that, you know, I thought porn would be sex positive, but it ended up giving me a limp noodle. (laughs) And that was completely sex negative because I was dependent on it to even function. And I just want people to know that that's possible and make their own decisions. Uh, Very well said. So uh, Gabe Deem from uh, RebootNation.org. Go check out the website. There is a ton of resources there. There's also links to a ton of other websites and communities and forums that uh, people are giving advice with. Uh, Listen, thanks a million, man, for coming on. And uh, we'll chat to you again soon. Awesome, Cormac. Have a good one. Will do. Uh, Kev has WhatsApped in saying, yeah, a lot of people can't use it in moderation, end up getting greedy and screws up their brain and their relationship. And you say, yeah, nail on the head, Kev, where's my medal? We'll post it out to you. We don't have any medals in here, unfortunately, right? Uh, thoughts on that? Maybe uh, maybe we should get rid of it entirely. Who knows? 0876797104. On the way next, um, we are all going to start looking a little bit um, uglier and older over the next couple of weeks. Barbershops, hair salons, the nail salons, everything is closing down. We can't get our tan done, can't get anything done. But we may be able to keep our brains being a little bit younger. So how, how do you do that? Why and how does your brain age? At what age does it start aging at? And how can you reverse the aging process of your brain? It's something that you might be able to do if you're locked away working from home and self-isolating over the next while. We're going to be speaking to psychologist uh, Dr. Michelle Braun next here on FM 104. FM 104's Room 104 podcast with Cormac Moore and... Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Sir Shalon. Drill 104, it's Cormac and Saoirse here, and we know that things like the nail salons and the hair the hair salons and, and the, the waxy places, they're all shutting down. So we're all going to start looking a little bit decrepit and probably a little bit older than we usually do. I mean, Sisha, how many years after 47 are you currently looking like? <laughs> do you know what? I actually look about 60 at the moment. Because yeah. I don't know if you ever feel like that when you are sick. Your whole skin just tends to get really dry and worn out looking. So I looked in the mirror earlier on and I was thinking, Jesus. You look really bad. <laughs> so uh, I definitely look over the age of 60 at the moment. But look, it's the least of my concerns and the least of anyone's concerns at the moment. But yeah, it is a, a scary kind of um, thought that we are all going to look like, I don't know what, when we come out of this. I mean, there's only so much a filter will be able to do over the next exactly. couple of days and weeks. This is all going to get very, very real. It's going to get very hairy. It's going to get very smelly. <laughs> um, and we're all, we'll, all, we'll all look uh, um, fairly bad. Now, you can risk things like cutting your own hair, doing your own nails, doing your own makeup. And, and that's all fine. And, you know, we might get to a point where we're going to have to do that because I need a bit of a chop on the head already. And I'm kind of worried that if the barbers are closed for another six weeks, like, what are we going to do? But... Good news, kind of kind of good news, is that uh, another thing that's going to be ageing over the next few days and months while we're driving ourselves demented inside is obviously our brain gets older, uh, you know, the older we get and it starts to age and it starts to not function as well. Now, no one can see that, but apparently there are ways in which you can delay the onset of brain ageing and to talk more about that is Michelle Braun. Michelle, how are you? I'm good. Coming to you from Wisconsin, um, we are also under a safer at home quarantine order here. So we share that uh, across the globe. Are your uh, hairdressers and nail salons there all locked down as well? <laughs> yes, all locked down. And I can totally relate to what Sersha was saying about you just feel older. You just don't have access to all of the things that we usually do that make us feel younger. Yeah. Well, at least we're quarantined. At least no one's seeing us. Which well, that's, is the main thing. That's good. <laughs> exactly. At least this is not a video call. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. We were going to go with Zoom or Skype, but then we're like, nah, listen, <laughs> for everyone's sake, I think we'll just keep this, uh, we'll keep this over the phone. Michelle, you've done a lot of work into looking into uh, brain aging uh, when it starts, and I'm kind of terrified of this, you know, losing your mind <laughs> pretty much. But what exactly is, is brain aging? Brain aging is when we can detect with very sensitive tests that there's been a decline in what we call cognitive functioning or thinking skills. And so what's really important to know is that although many of us start to experience what we call brain blips or little things like forgetting why you walked into a room or what the name of a person is that you just met, 
those those changes actually start happening much earlier than we might actually be aware of. So in the mid-20s is when we're already able to detect that there's been a decline in some areas of thinking skills. Oh, wow. Well, so what age, what age is like the peak age of remembering people's names or kind of processing information and all that? Usually in the late teens, mid-20s, even later 20s, we're seeing people peak at that skill. And around the early 30s is where you can start to detect just subtle declines in inability, for example, to remember a long list of words. And, and so it's not really that perceptible in daily life, but it is on these really calibrated neuropsychological tests that we use. So it's kind of funny that you say that, by the way, because I always say this to Cormac, I forget what happened yesterday. I have the worst <laughs> memory ever. And he pretends I'm 47. I'm not 47. I'm actually 31. But I definitely have noticed in the last kind of three or four years that I don't remember people's names and I don't remember what I had for breakfast the day before. Yeah, exactly. And so some people who are more aware of that, they become much more energized to do something about it. But many people are not aware of that. And so the message I really want to share is that it's happening, even if we're not aware of it, and there's a lot we can do to minimize that aging. I've noticed it straight in the last new few years as well that uh, things like when I leg it up the stairs and go into the bedroom I'm like why am I here again or you know go downstairs now I've put that down to being addicted to my phone that I'm constantly interrupting myself and then I've no idea my focus is gone but I'm noticing that more and more you know you, you open the fridge for the 400th time in 10 minutes and then you, you walk out to the car and I'm like what what, what was going on here yeah, totally. And um, one of my favorites, and it happens more and more, I think, for all of us, is word-finding difficulties. When you know exactly what you want to say, but you can't think of it, and you have to substitute in the moment, and that takes some skill sometimes. I, I mean, that, that's happened both of us, I think, seriously, live on air, numerous times where we're like, uh, th- uh, what's going on? Yeah, it's, it's actually kind of scary because you think that at the age of 30 or early 30s that you are kind of still young and you should be able to remember things. And, you know, I've often said this to people that, you know, this kind of thing should happen when you're 60s or 70s, not when you're, you know, under the age of, well, at least under the age of 50. Well, just for you, just about like. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, so, um, what are actually? We'll, we'll try this. Sirshu, are, are you? I know you're a little bit under the weather right now, and uh, but w- would you like to try a quick memory test now, just to see how bad your memory is? Yes, I'd love to. Right. Okay. I'm going to give you a list of words now, and you have to see how many you can remember straight after me giving them. All right. Okay. Are you ready? Yes. Uh, bike, car, orange, seven, Italy, radio, cat, dog, whale, stairs, Cormac. <laughs> oh God. Okay. Bike, car. Uh, you said you said cat because I have a cat and I remember that. Uh, dog, Italy, bed. Nope. Uh, what else did you say? Bike, car, dog, cat, bed. You nope. didn't say bed. Uh, no. Nope. Italy. No, that's all I remember. <laughs> I remember five. One, two, three, four, five out of one, two, three. They were the rest. The ones you missed. Orange, seven. Radio, Cormac, stairs, whale. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, uh, eleven. And Michelle, how did she do? <laughs> well, you know, in the in the lab, what we do with a list like that is we'll repeat it several times and we'll establish kind of a learning curve to see ah, how okay, you do okay. and, then, and then norm that. So it's, it, it is challenging to remember a list of words like that just hearing it once fairly quickly. 
I think you did pretty good, Trisha. But you know what's really interesting? The things I remembered were things that I associate with myself. Like, well, I should have associated radio. I didn't hear that. But <laughs> cast because I have a cat and I'm literally isolating with my cat so that stood out yeah. for me and then of course I remembered the first two because I tried to remember them straight away Yeah, and then sure the rest of them I like no idea sure I mean I mean, in fairness Saoirse this isn't exactly as Michelle said a clinical setting we, are, we haven't been set up with a pure clinically setting vibe so we won't be publishing this research in any sort of <laughs> journal but um, Michelle how have we um, how, how are you have you found any ways where if you want to try and keep your brain as young and as fit as possible is there anything we can do especially now that we're all kind of locked down things are going to get uh, you know we're locked down for a little bit longer but what can we do to keep our brains slightly younger and healthier yes so the number one thing that's shown the most value is cardiovascular exercise anytime you're getting your heart rate or you can think of it as aerobic exercise and why that's so important is it targets an area of the brain called the hippocampus And that sounds very complex, but really it's just the structure that helps to take in information and recall it later. And so it packages it. It's kind of like a switchboard where information is coming in rapidly and that hippocampus is processing it, filing it, and sending it off for storage. And cardiovascular exercise actually grows the hippocampus. It increases its density. It makes it thicker in the brain. And so it's more resistant then to aging. So that's the biggest thing that you can do. Okay, something that I don't do enough of and absolutely not Don't even say enough of, seriously. Something that you just don't do. (laughs) I just hate exercising. Is there anything else that I can do for, you know, is there like a way to keep our brain healthy for lazy people? (laughs) Yes, luckily there are other ways as, as well, but I did want to just say many people hate exercising and it has to be something that is joyful for it to stick and for you to want to do it. So there's many things that I actually recommend that we don't call exercise because if we call it that, suddenly it's like drudgery. But if it, for example, hiking, um, we can still do that here. I'm imagining you can still be outside there as long as you have that social distance. So some people take great pleasure in doing things like that, walking around or turning it into something that's an exploration like bird watching or you know doing something that isn't called exercise but if that is not of interest there are other things that we can do as well so the other the other main thing is to keep yourself intellectually active in your job you're doing that all the time you have a lot of novelty you have a lot of different things kind of keeping you on your toes and you have to respond really nimbly in the moment and that's actually really great for the brain uh, okay. okay. Ah, because I read somewhere, I read somewhere, I, ironically, that reading is quite good for, for memory gain, I guess. Anything you can, there isn't a holy grail type of activity, which is actually really reassuring because it should always be personalized. It should be something that you really enjoy and something that's slightly challenging. So you might want to think about seeking out kind of head-scratching moments where something's not coming easily. You have to actually kind of think through, you're sort of having a pause and actually actively problem solve in the moment. Anything where you are experiencing that, whether that's reading, whether that's stamp collecting, that you could fill in the blank with whatever it is that you enjoy, is creating new connections over time between your brain cells. So that's that's great because then it sort of liberates this idea that there's one specific thing that you have to do. Okay, and is there... 
Yeah, is there like an age where you cannot come back from? So is there an age that you reach where, you know, you just have to <laughs> you just have to sit back and go, look, it's happening anyway and there's no way I can kind of I A, reverse this or B, do anything about it? We don't, there, as long as somebody does not have an actual cognitive disorder, for example, like Alzheimer's or another type of dementia where we know the cells are changing due to a disease, we can, there is evidence to suggest there's no age limit to slowing down the age process. So we see this type of effect of slowing down cognitive aging even in 90 plus year olds. And that's great news because the brain is always looking for the ability to thrive. We just have to plug it into the activities that we know make a big difference. Right, okay. So um, keeping yourself novel, reading things that might be a little bit more challenging, and unfortunately uh, exercising and cardiovascular uh, <laughs> cardiovascular things. Maybe like running around the shops here, sure, that could be something fun. Maybe, or running to go get the food yeah, running the to fridge. Go, if, running to go get the chocolate. <laughs> I've, uh, I've had a huge bar of Cadbury's uh, dairy milk. Oh, it wasn't Cadbury's. It was Cadbury's caramel, the caramel bar. You know the huge ones with the caramel? Yeah. Oh, I did have four flakes. My mum mm. has delivered food up. She left it on my doorstep, and uh, she got me a four-pack of flakes. So, Michelle, that's, um, they're like just plain chocolate. But there's four of them. You're only meant to eat one. Yeah, and I, yeah. I had the four. <laughs> <laughs> oh, lovely. Well, listen, um, hey, dark chocolate's good for the brain, too. So. Oh, okay. well, this is definitely milk chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting there slowly but surely. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, Michelle, listen, thanks a million for uh, giving up your time this evening. We do appreciate it. Uh, if someone wants to maybe do a, a little bit more deep diving into what you have researched and written and published online, where's the best place they can get you? Sure. So it's um, www.drmichellebraun, B R A U N. And so, Dr., it's a CR. And then Michelle, M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E, Braun, B-R-A-U-N, dot com. Otherwise, I have a blog on psychology today. So if you just go on psychology today and look up my name, Michelle Braun, you'll see that there too. Dr. Michelle Braun, thanks a million for popping on FM 104 this evening. Thank you. FM 104's Room 104 podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Long. This is Room 104 with Cormac and Sersha. FM 104. It's Room 104. Before we wrap up, there's a, a lot of people doing a lot of live gigs. Um, I should say streaming a lot of live gigs online to try and keep yourself a little bit more uh, sane and entertained. One of those, friend of the show, he's a comedian. He is a resident host of the Comedy Crunch, which is not going to be on Sundays, Mondays and Tuesdays for the foreseeable future. You'll have seen him at all the major comedy festivals, uh, headline the Vodafone Comedy Festivals. He usually would be down at the Laughter Lounge as well. Um, uh, fairly regular season pro down there but uh, Irish comedian Mr. Daniel Bryan how are you sir? Cormac how goes it? It goes it goes it okay now the people in here are dropping like flies over the last week Saoirse is uh, Saoirse fell ill yesterday she does. She just has a normal flu not the new fancy one a few other people we've worked with have been uh, reports of feeling slightly unwell but you sound a bit sniffly there I, well, I was just outside actually I went for a run can you believe it or not <laughs> while well, we still while well, we still can so it's <laughs> yeah. actually it's, it's an exercise sniffle if there ever was such a thing. I, I've been trying my best now to follow some of those, uh, you know, those YouTube home workout things, but you, you just don't, you just give up after two minutes going, ah, you're all yeah, right, no one's giving up. about it. Go out and go for a run or, you know what I mean? Like I saw this thing, a video in LA of a woman with a megaphone screaming Zumba and all these people dancing on their different balconies. I was like, can you imagine 
the air rifles that a face you would get don't look <laughs> if you even attempted to like come on lads who's with me just, uh, just, no. like, just be an Adidas predator thrown at you from a car <laughs> I mean we can do we can do our uh uh, the the bingo on the flats is one thing, right? That that's fair enough. But uh, oh, yeah. yeah, a zumba, a group zumba on a megaphone, nap. Yeah, forget about it, man. But uh, yeah, listen, it, it, just do whatever. I think if you do any kind of exercise, even if it's just kind of a walk, or if you want to, a good thing to do as well is I think give your mates a ring and go for a walk at the same time. Two birds at one stone. Ah, uh, yeah, look at that exercise. And it's a good way of catching up with people and getting a bit of exercise in, and you're not getting too bored either. I, I can't believe like the company that owns and sells, you know, the Zorb balls aren't coming out more proactively now, kind of saying, "Get your, yeah. get your Zorb suit." Five they had sorted this out. Oh yeah. Damn it, we'll get that organised. It'd be like social distance football. <laughs> It'd be really funny if they put like Zorbs in the gym and there's all these like gym bunnies, <laughs> like meatheads in the ball fighting over the machines, just bouncing off each other like the studio. A big Zorb on a treadmill, just kind of working away. They're going, how are you? Grand, yeah. How are you? Listen, there's opportunities here if you know where to look for them, man. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but obviously, comedy-wise, unfortunately, and gig-wise, music and comedy in Everton that needs an audience has been locked down, unfortunately. But yourself and uh, uh, Gar Murren and... Uh, before Thank you, Gar, Sorry. Steve I didn't realise Steve was in there as well. But, you know, you used to be regular heavyweights of uh, the Laughter Lounge, which runs, which used to run for a while, but now we don't know when anything yeah, will yeah. be back. But um, you are doing something, is it this Friday? Yeah, this Friday. So we're basically coming together. We're, we're recording it this week and we're going to come together as essentially a megatron of comedy and um, they will be all totally socially isolated. We'll be going in separately. We'll be leaving separately and we'll be doing our gigs on our own. Now, <laughs> this, is, this is why it's going to be... I think this is a bit of effort that we're putting in. Doing the gig is, is, is a pleasure, right? That's, that's not something that um, is difficult. But doing a gig to... Uh, where there should be 400 people, where there's maybe going to be two people. <laughs> That's, and, you know what? For years, right? For This is the irony of the whole scenario. I do some talks for um, for companies sometimes just about how to manage nerves, public speaking, yeah, what it's yeah. like to, you know, that, that kind of thing. And I always give this example at the end of the talk about this story that's become, which I'm sure you're familiar with this, but listeners might not be, about this story about the urban myth at the Edinburgh Fringe. Now, they say the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, if you divide all the shows by the amount of audience members, the average number of audience members at a typical show at the Edinburgh Fringe is three. Oh. Okay? Now, that, that's, that's the truth. Like, that's the way it is. Because loads of shows get cancelled, some shows, you know, sell out. Yeah, yeah. But, like, I, I've, I, I've, I've done, I think the lowest I've ever done is probably maybe six or seven people. And even that's a bit of a hostage scenario. <laughs> I think, for me, I want to do a show for less than nine. If there was nine people or ten, I'd go ahead with it. Otherwise, I'd just buy everyone a pint and say, let's never speak of this again. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, but now, ironically, after all of that, I'm going to have to do my set to two people in a room that holds 400. <sighs> That's going to be, that is going to be painful. It is, but uh, do you know, in a weird way, it's a good way of raising awareness because it's like a, ma- it's like a mathematical equation. Me on stage and the amount of people in the room that's the like percentage, one percent. I'm not like the, you know the two percent that needs to be like looked after and stuff like that. Yeah, that's yeah. Me in that room of four hundred. Um, so I should mention that the reason the lads are doing this is to raise money for Daffodil Day because like a lot of other charities, unfortunately, they have had all of their main fundraising pulled because we can't can't go out and fundraise and get a bucket or anything like that. So um, it's a fiver this Friday to stream it online, but all of the proceeds are going towards the Daffodil Day charity. 
Yeah, that's it. So 100% of it's going to the Irish um, Cancer Society. And like, man, I feel like everyone's getting hit from this, right? There's no one who isn't going to be affected from what's going on. Like myself, more than anyone, I've had my diary completely wiped after, you know, the last year of working towards it, like tour dates, festivals, New Zealand Comedy Festival, everything gone. Well, like, we all need to kind of pull together and, you know, there's there's people far worse off than us and, like, charities, for example, are going to get really, really hit hard because they're so reliant on people. People don't really want to part with their money. So this is a fiver. Even if a fiver, no fiver, it, it, it's money that can buy someone dinner or something like that. But even if it's a fiver for an apartment between you and your partner or a fiver between, you know, you and the family or anything like that, even if it's for gas, if they can uh, donate a fiver, they'll get to watch it. Um it, it's really, really going to a good place, and also like the amount of work that the um, that Daffodil Day has done for the last, you know, Jesus, I can't even remember when Daffodil Day wasn't a thing. Yeah, you I know. know what I mean? And now, obviously, everyone else has kind of kicked it to the curb. So, listen, it's, it's Friday. It's a, it's a, it's a fiver. Uh, you'll be getting some comedy from uh, Danny Gar, Enya, and Steve Cummins as well, who are regulars down at the Laughter Lounge. But I, I, I didn't realize that you were actually recording it in the, in the lounge. I thought you were going to be doing it in your gaff. Are you going to be adding a laugh track to it, Renton, or afterwards? No, or? I, I don't know. To be honest with you, you'll have to stream it to see. Um, I, for one, won't be watching it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> watch my own I don't know I was I was um, I don't know like I think there'll be there'll be like two or three people there two or three people that will be there in a room that holds 400 will have seen we'd have seen each other as well so hopefully we'll just be supportive oh. and I, I, I know I think about bringing like a bluetooth speaker with me and just having like a laugh track on my phone <laughs> in my back pocket and then <laughs> it reminds me yeah you, you mentioned the crunch there like a long, long time ago, probably 10 years ago. And um, we got sent a, a clip um, from a young kid who was probably 17, if that's 16, 17 years of age. Yeah. And I'll never forget it. He he sent us a clip saying, hi, I'd like to do some stand-up at your club. I've never done stand-up before, but here's a clip of me doing stand-up in my room. And he recorded himself doing comedy on a, on a video recorder right in a sitting room in like Mullingar somewhere in the Midlands and then he would like do his joke <laughs> afterwards he would just he'd do his punchline and then he would just go pause for applause <laughs> oh and there would be no applause like he's just yeah there'd be nothing there he oh. would just go pause for applause <laughs> and then he would carry on with his set right and you know what I was like fair play to him for even doing that like what an absolute winner so we actually gave him a shot and we let him come up and do a gig, and he did the gig. We, de- we never saw him again after that. But, um, How did he get on? He did all right. Like he was only a kid. His dad drove him up and everything, <laughs> and he did the gig. But uh, and now I'm like, do you know what? That kid was ahead of his time. Yeah. Now you're kind of like going, r- trying to dig out that videotape, going, God, where is it? <laughs> Any tips for me, Chief? <laughs> uh, okay, that's going to be be interesting because it's always one thing if you're practicing a presentation or you're practicing a, a you know stand up set or whatever, you'll do it in your room on your own, no problem, and you'll you'll work through it. But like when you're talking about pausing for, for applause, will you be naturally just pausing where you'd usually get laughs and leaving a little one or two second lull while you know the audience yeah, recomposes I, I, I'm themselves? Take a comedic head talk approach and <laughs> I'll probably do some material that I've done a lot that I know works for my own sanity because if I try something else new at least the silence would be like well, this has worked a hundred times before so it's, it's only that there's no people here is why it's not yeah. funny right? <laughs> oh god how many minutes are you meant to be doing uh, maybe 10 15 minutes <laughs> 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 that's uh 
that's actually five hours in real time. <laughs> oh, God, no, it'll be a bit of crack anyway, and... Um, God. Listen, it's for a good cause. It's what for else? a good cause. What it's, else have we got to be doing? Is yeah. our arses watching Netflix? Too fucking good. Uh, yeah, so um, where is it laughterlounge.com or what's the story with yeah, getting the link? Yeah, just go onto the Laughter Lounge website. You click the link, uh, donate a fiver, they send you a link and then you can stream it whenever you like. Um, oh, lovely. So listen, uh, that's this Friday, head on to the Laughter Lounge website. I know uh, times are obviously tough, the, the country and the city is in a bit of a lockdown mode at the moment. Uh, if you have money, maybe you can consider doing that. And if you don't, obviously don't, but uh, that's what's going on to try and raise money for the Irish Cancer Society, Daffodil Day, this Friday. Laughter Lounge website, details are there. Listen, Dan, O'Brien, thanks a million for popping on. Uh, I'm definitely going to stream it just to uh, just to give you abuse afterwards. <laughs> no problem. I'll, I'll be doing it as well. <laughs> Cheers for popping on, sir. Take care. Uh, no worries. And uh, I'll share that link out via FM104's Twitter and Instagram and stuff like that. Here's Niall Horan. This is no judgment. It's FM104. FM104's Room 104 podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Shalon. That was Niall Horan. No judgment. Wrapping up. Room 104 here with myself and Saoirse for another evening. We'll be back tomorrow night from the usual time of line. Also, you need to get up tomorrow morning. The actual, real President Michael D. Higgins is going to be on the Strawberry Alarm Clock tomorrow night at 10 past 8. Now, one of the lads, or Jim, or Nobby, or one of the lads taking the piss and putting on, uh, doing a bad impression of our president, the president himself, uh, Michael D. Higgins, will be on the Strawberry Alarm Clock tomorrow morning. So, tune in. If you have any questions, send them on to the lads. But on the Strawberry Alarm Clock tomorrow morning at 10 past 8. Do be sure to tune in. Uh, it'll be a bit of crack. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow night. Talk to you from 9 o'clock. Take it easy. Stay safe. And we'll talk to you then. Good luck. Bye. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.